When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Glenn Wexler, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in Five Songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Welcome back for another episode of History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by Pantheon Media. Okay, so this is actually our second episode, and um, yeah, just a, just a quick explanation of what we're doing with this show. So I'm going to pick... Um, a point, a dynamic, it might be a big point, it might be a small point, it might be a whole genre, something to do with hard rock and heavy metal, and I'm going to attempt to make my point uh, with a narrative uh, that strings its way through five songs, and you're going to hear the clips of those songs to uh, hopefully help me make my point. And um, so, first episode, we did something a little obscure. This episode, we're going to kind of go back to the roots and fill in some of the mortar of this story as we go along. So, History and Five Songs. What we're going to do this time is the history of American heavy metal in five songs. Now, let me explain. We're not going to do a British heavy metal um, episode. We're going to do a heavy metal episode at some point. Um, but there's a specific point I want to make about American heavy metal um, that, uh, that this is going to be an alternate history you've never heard before. It's a bit weird, um, but bear with me. So, my idea with American heavy metal, let's go back to um, all of heavy metal first of all. So the the origins of heavy metal, there's, there's little bits along the way through the 50s and the 60s, but to my mind, the whole thing starts in a big way with Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, February, Friday the 13th, 1970. It moves on through Black Sabbath Paranoid. In, uh, in between, there's Your Eye Heat, Very Heavy, Very Humble. There's Deep Purple in Rock. I don't want to go through the whole thing, but let's just say that um, I do have this very specific thing that heavy metal gets invented when the blues gets taken out of heavy metal and gets replaced by something else. In this case, it's kind of classical music. Uh, classical tones, classical melodies, a little bit of keyboards, um, doom, the uh, the um, Diablos in Musica, the tritone, the devil's tritone, um, all of that stuff kind of replaces the blues, I think, and that's when you get modern heavy metal sounds. So, what I wanted to do with this episode is chart uh, something a little different and something not so good. And that is essentially American heavy metal. Um, so I'll bring up the points as we go along. Um, so I won't say too much now, but let's just, uh, let's get right into it. So let's pick, um, let's pick a big flash stone first point in the history of American heavy metal. Take a listen. This is Blue Cheer with Dr. Please. Cast me in, fill me up. Why don't you throw me out the door help me? Oh, I want it. Come on and 
So there you go. Crushing song um, from a crushing album, their first album, Vince Abyss Eruptum. Uh, 1968 is very, very early. You know, when, when people want to argue with me about Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath being the first heavy metal album, this is a, a cogent and acceptable, sensible first uh, heavy metal album as well. Blue Cheers first album. I personally think um, the second one, uh, Outside Inside, is that right? Inside Outside? Yeah, Outside Inside um, is a better album and it's also 1968, which is very commendable. Um, and it actually has some more uh, additional uh, modern heavy metal on it. I think it actually makes the point more. Um, because this record to me, I, I don't pick this as the first heavy metal album because uh, I, I find it to be essentially, you know, loud, exaggerated, screaming, garage rock, a little bit of psych, a lot of blues, a lot of covers on this album, not a lot of songs on this album. You add all that up and it's not a lot more impressive than the first Led Zeppelin album or Jeff Beck Truth or, you know... I mean, it's more impressive than Yardbirds, but um, essentially it's got a lot of problems with it in terms of being something that's really inventing a new kind of music. But there you go. That's a that's a song that is an original and it's pretty heavy. Um, so it's a it's a great starting point for our um history of heavy metal. So let me make a point. Uh, one of the points I want to make about this and why I think the American history is not as impressive as the British history. The British history, I think those guys have uh, more of a training from school in classical. They come up with this traditional music, you know, all classical music came from Europe and for that matter uh, you know all the big prog music came from Europe and that's that's the same reason and and um, you know there's this classical thing that goes into prog and it goes into heavy metal um, so they have this standing in that now notwithstanding the British stealing the blues for the British blues boom the blues is more of an American tradition and what you get um, in everything we're going to talk about today is this idea of uh, uh, American hard rock coming up from the blues and boogie music. So it comes up from an American tradition. Um, and like I say, I have, I have a little bit of uh, animosity to the blues in terms of I'm thinking heavy metal becomes invented when the blues gets leached or stripped out of this music. And you, and you get Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath. You get, you know, Black Sabbath war pigs, these kinds of songs, Deep Purple, Hard Loving Man. Um, so uh, what we have, we have kind of a problem here. We have a problem of lack of imagination, I think, uh, with this American narrative. And you're going to see that as, as we go along. So our second song in the History in Five Songs, History of American Heavy Metal in Five Songs, is also 1968, January 29th, 1968, Steppenwolf with Born to be Wild. I like smoking lightning. Every metal thunder. Racing with the wind And the feeling that I'm under Yeah, darling, go make it happen Take the world in a loving embrace Fire all of the bands at once And explode into space Like a true nature's child We were born, born to be wild We can climb so high I never wanna die now, I leave Steppenwolf out of my history when I kind of lean towards an album history of heavy metal, but you have to give it up to Born to be Wild. Um, it's got to get in there. First of all, 
It's got a great guitar tone, which is not something Steppenwolf is known for. Steppenwolf, I leave them out because I, I find them more of a depressing psych band, a dated band, dated to the 60s, a lot of keyboards, not a lot of great guitars, the drum sounds aren't very good. But they have this manly vocal out of John Kay on this song. They have a heavy metal riff that is not particularly blues-based, so you got to give it up for a little bit of modernity in here. Um, and you've got this great kind of tagline born to be wild and you've got an even better tagline heavy metal thunder of course so this song is is very a very important song in the invention of heavy metal um it's an anthem and it it's been covered so many times by heavy metal bands so there you go number two is uh, is steppenwolf with born to be wild hey let's take a short break we will be right back when we dropped the first few episodes of Rock and Roll Archaeology into the feed three and a half years ago, little did we know that this telling of rock and roll history would become a pantheon of rock and roll podcasts. Since many of you first joined us on our rock and roll exploration, the halls of the rock and roll pantheon have filled with shows like Deeper Digs in Rock, Rock and Roll Librarian, Muses, Art of Rock with Caution Friends, Real Rock with the Reverend Andy King, Miss Pamela's Pajama Party, Vinyl Snob, and more. We are proud of this one-of-a-kind approach to an audio magazine of high-quality shows. That is Pantheon, and thank you for your support. We couldn't have done it without you, our diggers who listen to all of our shows. And now, we are excited to let you know that every show available as part of Pantheon can be found in their own podcast feed to subscribe to in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the shows you've come to love. We look forward to adding more shows to fill the halls here in our Pantheon of Rock and Roll and find them all at PantheonPodcast.com. Keep up the rocking. Okay, back again. We're moving on in our history of, um, of uh, history in five songs of American heavy metal. So we're going to move into the 70s now. This is uh, this is a, is a great heavy molten song. Um, I think you're going to dig it. You all know it well. This is Mountain with Mississippi Queen. So Mountain, interesting band, a Mountain and Cactus both get uh, get lumped with that tag. It's a good tag. You want to be called America's Led Zeppelin. Um, and Cactus and Mountain do a similar thing. They're essentially the heavied up uh, version, the high octane version, uh, not particularly high octane actually. It's kind of slow and lethargic and again, lacking in imagination, but they're essentially a heavy, heavy blues slash hard rock band uh, in the tradition of Led Zeppelin and in the tradition before that of Cream and the Yardbirds. Um, 
So very similar bands. What's cool about this song is that you get an incredibly heavy guitar tone out of it. Um, it is, and it's stacked power chords. You think of, you know, stacks of pancakes, you know, big, big power chords coming out of Leslie West here. Um, but again, it's, it's illustrating this point I want to make that there is this um, tradition of the blues. It has kind of a bluesy cadence to the vocal. It's got a, a bluesy kind of chord progression and progression of parts. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's straddling this idea of modernity with um, with these massive massive chords, um, but it also has blues touchstones to it. So what I like to say, I mean, and almost the premise of this whole episode is that with American heavy metal, what you get is I almost envision you know sitting there with a little gizmo box in front of you with an A B switch and switching back and forth to bluesy parts, boogie parts that remind you of original rock and roll of the 50s, Chuck Berry. You get you get boogie woogie and then you switch the the switch over to B and you get um you get modernity. You get you get heavy metal chords that that don't have a reference point to the blues. They don't have to necessarily have a reference point to classical, but they have this reference point to uh, creating a new kind of music with big big heavy power chords or and or riffs. Um, so, you know, this is something um, I'm going to tell you, you know, a couple things later on that we're not going to include in this list, but this is something you can test out with songs like Kiss Strutter, um, uh, Ted Nugent, Cat Scratch Fever. You just, you could sit there with a switch and you can hear where they're doing boogie rock. It's almost like a subconscious primordial uh, falling back into position, filling in like the mortar between the bricks. The bricks are the modernity. The mortar is boogie woogieing. Uh, so you hear that a lot. So, um, you know, I, I'm, this is, this is a thing that, that uh, the point is made with our, with our number four choice. Let's hear a little bit of Cities on Flame with Rock and Roll by Blue Oyster Cult. So this illustrates my point. You hear this modernity. You hear you hear a riff, and you also hear boogie woogie in the same song. So you're hearing uh, American heavy metal. You know we're up into 1972 now, and Black Sabbath and Uriah Heep and Deep Purple have blown away this whole concept. They've explored this quite a lot already. You know in a half dozen great records. So Blue Oyster Cult is is you know it's illustrative that it's sitting behind the times. And what is also illustrative of why they are behind the times, they went to Columbia. I mean, they were a psych band, stock forest group. They sounded they sounded essentially like a Grateful Dead. They were like a grab bag, psyche folky band looking for direction. They went to Columbia. Columbia was ticked off that there was, uh, that, that Warner had Black Sabbath. And they said, we want our own version of Black Sabbath. So 
Blue Oyster Cult guys, Buck Dharma and Eric Bloom and, and their conceptualist Sandy Perlman, um, producer Murray Krugman, they kind of like said, oh, let's let's put together this scary, mysterious version, uh, you know, with the cult references and conspiracy theories. Amazing, amazing band. My favorite book of mine that I've written is a Blue Oyster Cult book um, because the song stories are amazing. You can get that book at my site, martinpopoff.com. The latest incarnation is called Agents of Fortune, the Blue Oyster Cult story. But incredible, incredible incredible lyric stories with this band and um and they and they did conspire to make this sort of scary cool version of Black Sabbath but they couldn't do it as well because they were kind of faking it uh, and you can hear a little bit of that in this song you can hear the boogie wooginess you can hear that the production's a little thin Albert Bouchard you know he prides himself on being a jazzy drummer well that's not what heavy metal wants heavy metal wants a hard hitting drummer big big thumping beat um, although you know I kind of undermines my point that Bill Ward is a bit of a jazzy drummer as well um, um, but anyway, so so there you go. Um, you know, the, the the music is moving along. It's 1972, um, but America is not really moving along that fast. So you get uh, Blue Oyster Cult with Cities on Flame with Rock and Roll. Now, we get to number five in our history of five songs, American Heavy Metal. And uh, this makes a couple of different points, which I'll go over, but let's take a listen. This is Rock the Nation by Montrose, 1973. So there you go, um, an amazing song, but why I picked this song over uh, the song that is most impressive, which is Space Station Number no. 5 off of Montrose, Montrose on Warner Brothers 1973. I consider the Montrose album the first modern American heavy metal album. I think this album kicks the whole thing off. It's not a Blue Oyster Cult album. Kiss hasn't even arrived yet, but they could, they aren't even sounding this great. Aerosmith um, is not sounding this great because they're still very bluesy and yard, yard birdsy and stonesy and zeppelin-y. Um, but this album is chock full of modern heavy metal, no nonsense, amazing molten production values out of Ted Templeman. Um, but the, the, the central song is Space Station Number no. 5 because there's no blues to that song. It is abs- it, it kicks the butts of, uh, of uh, the likes of Deep Purple and Black Sabbath and all that. And that's what you need to be considered the first modern American heavy metal album. Now, why did I pick Rock the Nation? Because, again, it makes my point for me about this lapsing into boogie, woogie, uh, lapsing into the blues, lapsing into uh, the bands that all these great guitarists like Ronnie Montrose rest in peace um suicide very sad story i also wrote a montrose book that has uh you know that talks a lot about this it's actually not a montrose book it's a montrose and gamma book because i love gamma Uh, but that's called rock the nation uh some big long song title can't remember uh but anyways um so ronnie also grew up on uh, on all this old stuff that uh, that all these guys grew up on the yardbirds cream led zeppelin free um 
who else would we put in there? Just basically all these British blues boom bands. Uh, he came up through through the Rick or the Edgar Winter ranks. Um, kind of kind of a weird history for him landing in this. It's very bizarre. Um, but um, but Sammy Hager is in there as well, and he's doing a lot of writing. So he comes like fully formed out of nowhere, and they make this fantastic fantastic album that is essentially the blueprint in a lot of ways for what Van Halen uh, was going to do. I actually did a Van Halen book, and there's a whole chapter that outlines all the similarities between this Montrose album and the first Van Halen album. So anyways, Rock the Nation is picked because you hear... Uh, you hear again the mortar. They they lapse into this these boogie woogie chords in between this absolutely modern heavy metal um, that you hear. Uh, let me run this through my head. So uh, da, da, da. Uh, the the um. Yeah, the verses the verses are the modern part. The chorus is the is the boogie woogie part that shows lack of imagination. And again, to reiterate, uh, you move forward through the catalogs of the likes of Kiss, um, uh, Ted Nugent, and even Blue Oyster Cult. Blue Oyster Cult's a very complicated band, but even I think of a song like "This Ain't the Summer of Love." Um, you hear the the crushing heavy metal modern stuff, and then you hear this uh, this chorus that is like boogie woogie. Um, so that's the problem with the American stuff. And, you know, frankly, the American stuff really never gets all that incredibly impressive through the 70s. I mean, that first wave of impressive British stuff gets replaced by a second wave of impressive British stuff. And that would be the likes of Thin Lizzy when they get going, UFO when they get going, Rainbow, and Judas Priest. So essentially, um, you know... Our bands are, are our American bands at that point. The big American bands are Kiss, Aerosmith, Ted Nugent, Blue Oyster Cult, I don't know, Hart, Boston, eventually Van Halen. Britain's, Britain's doing it much better uh, in the second wave, just like they did it better in the first wave. So there you go. That is your, uh, your somewhat uh, derisive, denigrating um, history of American heavy metal in five songs. Uh, we're going to wrap up there. Um, Thanks for joining me again. Um, send in your show ideas. You can email me at martinp at inforamp.net or you can look me up on Facebook and pop me uh, pop me in there some uh, pop me off some uh, some ideas there as well. I do have a ton of ideas, so I, it may be a while until I get to them. But um, yeah, let's sign off. Thanks again for uh, for visiting, and uh, and we will see you next time. <laughs> Looking for ways to help right the wrongs of social injustice? Oxfam America works with people in more than 90 countries to save lives, develop long-term solutions to poverty, and campaign for social change. And we do it with the help of our friends in the music world. The Beatles were Oxfam supporters back in the day. So were the Stones. And through the years, musicians and music fans have helped Oxfam push hard to work for a just world without poverty. Folks like Radiohead, Coldplay, Pearl Jam, DJ Shadow, and many, many more have encouraged their fans to join the effort. You can too. Go to OxfamAmerica.org to learn how you can help. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us 
at R&R Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.